0: It's your isisha girl April oil, and you are tuned into True Crime and Cheeseman. Let's get it <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Happy Monday guys. Yes, you heard that right. Happy Monday. Welcome back to another episode of True Crime and Cheese. My name is April. And yeah, <laughs> we dropped on a Monday. Because yo, I had went out over the weekend, real hot girl shit. And I I had to recover. So that's why I didn't drop the episode yesterday. I mean, yeah today's monday so yesterday but we back baby we back and since it's you know we're still in october we're gonna keep it spooky ooky real spooky shit um mm. and we're gonna do an unsolved murder okay um if you haven't heard if you have heard this actually just just listen just listen And if you haven't, ooh, this is going to be a good one. Because I don't, I don't really think, I don't really think you're going to get this one. Well, you won't solve it because it's unsolved. So, yeah. Today we're doing Velisca Axe Murders. Okay. Buckle that ass in and we're going to get started. right, so we going back to 1912, okay? So, Sunday evening, June 9th, 1912... Josiah Moore and his wife, Sarah, took their four children, Herman, Kate, Boyd, and Paul, to the Children's Day service at the Presbyterian Church. So with them were um, two neighbors, Lena and Ina. So they were kids. Um, They had asked their parents permission to stay overnight with the Moore kids. And, you know, the parents said yes. So, the Children's Day service was an end-of-the-year Sunday school program. So, Sarah Moore was a a co-director, and her children performed their little speeches and um, recitations along with the other Sunday school members. So, the service had ended with a social mingling party um, that lasted until about 9.30 p.m. So when parishioners left on that cloudy, damp, and cold night, giving super horror vibes, oil, um, no one suspected that neither the moors or the overnight guests would be seen alive again. Cue the fucking spooky music. That's right, baby. That's right. <laughs> so they walked the three blocks to their home, cookies and milk. Ended the evening, and you know, they all went to bed. So, at about 7 a.m. the next day, Mary Peckham, who was the Moore's neighbor, she saw that um, the family had not come out to do their morning chores, and so she was a little worried, you know, real nosy neighbor shit. Um, so, Mary went and knocked on the Moore's door, and when nobody answered, she tried to open the door, and um, she saw that it was locked. So, usually, um, the chickens would be out at this time, but it wasn't, so she was like, okay, fine. She went and let the, the chickens out and called Ross, who was Josiah's brother. So, like Mary, uh, Ross had received no response when he knocked on the door and he shouted. Um, he had got there like, You know, as soon as she called, like, hey, you know, something's going on. So he had unlocked the front door with um, his copy of the house key. Um, And while Mary had stood on the porch, Ross had went into the parlor and opened the guest bedroom door. um, Where he found Ina and Lena, um, their bodies on the bed. So Ross immediately told Mary... To call Henry Hank Horton, who was Vasilia's primary peace officer, and he had arrived shortly after. You know he got the call. So when Hank um, searched the house, he found that the entire uh, Moore family and the two Stillinger girls had been bludgeoned to death, and the murder weapon was an axe that belonged to Josiah. It was, f- and it was found in the guest room where the Stillinger sisters were um, discovered. So. Doctors had concluded that the murders had taken place between midnight and 5 a.m. So two spent cigarettes in the attic suggested that the killer or killers, because we're not sure if it's one or multiple, um, patiently waited in the attic until the Moore family and the Stillinger sisters went to sleep. The killers began in the master bedroom where Josiah and Sarah Moore were sleeping. Um, Josiah received more blows from the axe than any other victim. His face had been cut to such an extent that, um, his eyes were missing. I am sorry, guys. I probably should have put a disclaimer. But I think that's as bad as it gets. I am sorry. But just in case, here's your disclaimer. You have been warned. Um, (laughs) so the killer or killers, because you got to say killer or killers, <laughs> Used the blade of the axe on Josiah, while using the blunt end on the rest of the victims. Herman, Catherine, Boyd, and Paul, which is the four more kids, um, they were next bludgeoned in the head in the same manner as their parents. Afterwards, the murderer returned to the master bedroom to inflict more bolt blows on the parents knocking over a shoe that had filled with blood before moving downstairs to the guest bedroom and killing Ina and Lena so investigators had believed that all of the victims except for Lena had been asleep when um they were murdered so they thought that she was awake and trying to fight back because she was found lying crosswise on the bed with a defensive wound on her arm Her nightgown was pushed up to her waist, and she was not wearing undergarments. Um, So, you know, one would speculate that she was sexually abused, but that that didn't happen, that didn't appear to be the case. Um, Shit is weird. So, as investigators, you know, investigated, (laughs) um, you know, some of the things that they had found was that the curtains were drawn on all of the windows in the house except two, which did not have curtains. So those windows were covered with clothing belonging to the Moors. Um, all of the victims' faces were covered with bedclothes, so like pajamas, blah, 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 um, after they were killed. Um, there was a kerosene lamp that was found at the foot of the bed of Josiah and Sarah, the parents, Um, The chimney was off and the wick had been turned back. There was another lamp that was found at the foot of the bed of the Stillinger sisters. um, And that chimney was also off. Um, The axe was found in the room with the Stillinger girls and it was bloody. But an, an, an attempt had been made to wipe it off. And that axe was, you know, the father. So they must have picked it up from somewhere in the house or i think outside of the house the ceilings in the parents bedroom and the children's rooms had gouge marks um that would have been made by the upswing of the axe so this house must be pretty small if you can swing the axe up and it causes like marks in the ceiling um there was a piece of a keychain that was found on the floor in the downstairs bedroom um there was a pan of bloody water that was on the kitchen table as well as a plate of uneaten food. Um, the doors were all locked. So they were locked. But I, I feel like that kind of makes it even more creepier. Because who locked it? Like how, how did the person get in if the doors were locked? Did he lock it? Jesus Christ. <sighs> so my God. There was also a slab of bacon on the floor in the downstairs bedroom lying near the axe so it was and that slab of bacon it was almost two pounds um and it was wrapped in what he the coroner thought was a dish towel and then a second slab of bacon about the same size was found in the ice box so um sarah's shoes so the mom's shoes was found on josiah's side of the bed and the shoe was found on its side however had blood inside as well as under it so the coroner assumed that the shoe had been upright when um josiah was first struck and that the blood ran off the bed into the shoe um he also believed that the killer later returned to the bed to inflict additional blows and basically like knock the shoe over so once everybody found out about the murders um, you know, news travels fast. Motherfuckers like to gossip. Hit you with that cheese, man. You know what I'm saying? Um, and neighbors and onlookers, you know, they were all up in the fucking house, okay? Um, and law enforcement had quickly lost control of the crime scene. So it it was said that up to a hundred people had been walking through the house, staring at the bodies, you know, being super fucking nosy, um... You know, before the Vasilian National Guard had finally arrived around noon, noon, to block off the area and try to secure the crime scene. Which is crazy. Like, yo, what the hell? Four hours you were letting people just walk in and out of there? What's going on? What y'all doing? The crazy thing is, is that once, um, once the story broke about, um this murder happening a lot of people well from what i've read they were kind of like turning on each other side eye people like yo i don't know but ray ain't come home last night so i'm i'm trying to figure out if he was the one you know what i'm saying or it's like yo john been looking a little He been looking a little suspicious to me. He been looking a little crazy. Like, you know, I saw him talking to Josiah the other day. It was looking a little heated. You know what I'm saying? You know, it was like friendships were were broken over this. You know, people were just picking sides and they did not give no fucks. Even if they didn't have evidence, they didn't even know. It was just everybody was blaming each other. Everybody was just kind of like, you know... We have to figure out who it is and if we're gonna play detective, then so be it, which is absolutely nuts to me. But this is true crime and cheese man, so whatever. <laughs> okay, so while the while the crime scene is being discovered, 519 the the morning following the murders, um There was a man named Reverend Lynn George Jacqueline Kelly. He was leaving Villisca on board the westbound number five train and allegedly told fellow travelers that there were eight dead souls back in Villiska, Iowa. Butchered in their beds while they slept, he said. Even though the bodies had not been discovered as like while he was saying this, so people were just kinda looking at him like, What the fuck are you talking about? But you know, whatever. Kind of let it go. Um, so Reverend Kelly, he had arrived in Villisca for the first time Sunday morning, um, the day of the murders. And he, ass- he attended a Sunday school performance by the Stillinger girls before he departed early Monday after the murders. So <laughs> he had returned two weeks later and he was posing as a detective He had joined a murder, a tour of the murder house with a group of investigators. Now, let me say this. It is 1912, right? So I'm pretty sure in 1912, I could have been a doctor. I could have been whatever I wanted to be because there was no credential checking. There was no fact checking. I'm pretty sure there were no background checks. So it's kind of like this dude just walked up and was like, yeah, I'm a detective. Sure. Why not? Yep. Get me a tour yep because i am a cop i i protect this earth and everybody was just like okay cool <laughs> like yeah no we're absolutely not going to try to fact check that so yeah <laughs> so a little background on mr reverend kelly over here he was the son and grandson of english ministers And he had suffered a mental breakdown when he was like a teen. He had been assigned as a visiting minister to several small communities north of Villisca, where he developed a reputation for odd behavior. As an adult, um, he was accused of peeping. And um, on many occasions, he would ask young women and girls to pose nude for him uh so you know i don't know <laughs> in the weeks that followed he had um kind of showed a fascination with the case and he wrote a lot of letters to the police investigators and family of the a deceased so you know they were suspicious and they hired a private investigator to write back to him asking for details that the minister might know about the murders and he had replied with great detail claiming to have heard sounds and possibly witnessed the the murders So in 1914, two years after the murders, Reverend Kelly was arrested for sending obscene material through the mail. Um, So he was sexually harassing a woman who had applied for a job as his secretary. And, um, you know, he was sent to St. Elizabeth Hospital, which is the national mental hospital in Washington, DC. And, you know, investigators kind of looked like this dude could be good for um, the murder. Like, he, he looks good for it. This is this is the kind of person that we're dealing with. Not that that shouldn't mean he's a suspect, but that's just, like, a little bit of background on him. Um, a grand jury had indicted Reverend Kelly for Lena Stillinger's murder, and he was interrogated through, throughout the summer of 1917 while in jail awaiting trial. So on August 31st at 7 a.m., um, Reverend Kelly had signed a confession to the murder saying that God had whispered to him to, quote, suffer the children to come unto me. He then recanted his confession at trial and his case went to the jury on September 26th and the jury had deadlocked 11 to 1 for acquittal. Um, a second jury was, you know, brought in, but they also had acquitted Reverend Kelly in November. Um... Because there's like, how do you? There's no evidence against him. Like, how do you try to find him guilty for something we're not even sure he did? I mean, it's creepy the fact that he kind of said what he said, but you know, how do we? How do we know for sure? I don't know. I don't know. So over time, there were a lot of um, suspects that came up in you know, this investigation. Um, a lot of them were exonerated or acquitted. So one guy, his name was Andrew Sawyer. So he was a transient. So for those who don't know what transient is, it's a homeless person. So every uh, every transient and otherwise unaccounted for stranger was a suspect and you know Andrew was one of those people. There wasn't much um information on him and he was interrogated but he was he was never charged. You guys know about Reverend Kelly Another suspect was a man named Frank Fernando Jones. So Frank was a Villisca resident and an Iowa State Senator. So Josiah, the dad, had worked for Frank at his implement store for many, many years before leaving to open his own store. It was said that Josiah had took a lot of business away from Frank, like lucrative business. And so... Um, you know frank must have been pissed and also there was a rumor that josiah was having a sexual affair with frank's daughter-in-law even though there was no evidence to back this up still rumors are rumors so you know another theory was that um senator jones had hired somebody named william blackie mansfield to murder the moore family so nine months before the murders at Velisca, a similar case of you know axe murder had occurred in Colorado Springs Colorado then there were two other axe murder cases that were in um Ellsworth Kansas and Paola Kansas so those cases were similar enough to raise the possibility of having been committed by the same person and they had like a lot of um how do you call that like some well a lot of things that were in one crime scene that happened in all these other ones that it was kind of hard to it was kind of hard to debate that they weren't done by the same person other cases like the Axeman um, of New Orleans were also like kind of linked to this, which that's a good story. I'll do that one next. I'll do that one tomorrow. <laughs> I'll post. I'll post one every day this week, and I'll do one. To, I'll do that one tomorrow. Anyway, so. Um, so the murders in Colorado Springs were closely related to the Velisca murder. So HC Wayne, his wife and child and a Mrs. AJ Burnham were found dead mur- murdered with an axe. Their the bed sheets were used to cover the windows to prevent passersby from looking in. At the Morehouse, you know, the the murderer had hung aprons and skirts to cover the windows, and just like the the murders in Villisca, the Morehouse murders, um, the murderer in Colorado Springs had wiped the blood off his axe and covered the heads of the victims with bed sheets. Well, bedclothes. Sorry, Blackie was also the prime suspect of um, the the murders in Kansas. And Detectives James Newton Wilkerson, he has suggested that Blackie was a cocaine-addicted serial killer. So, you know, Wilkerson had kind of believed that um, it was all done by the same man, and that man was Blackie. So, you know, they all were committed in the same manner, um, you know, even down to the lamp with the chimney. And... So in every case, um, the murderer had avoided leaving fingerprints by wearing gloves. So Detective Wilkerson believed um, that, you know, well, Blackie's fingerprints were on file at the federal military prison at Leavenworth. So he was like, you know, this dude wore gloves to try to avoid, you know, getting caught. So that's why his fingerprints are not going to be found, because he knows that if his fingerprints were found, you know, we they would have been able to catch him. Even with the lack of evidence, Detective Wilkerson had managed to convince a, dra- a grand jury to open an investigation in 1916 and Blackie was arrested. Um but, you know, payroll records had provided an alibi that placed Blackie in Illinois at the time of the Velisca murders. So, you know, it wasn't him. Blackie wound up suing Um, Detective Wilkerson, and he was awarded $2,225, which doesn't really sound like a lot to us, but back then, that was a lot of fucking money. But, you know, Detective Wilkerson is still, like, you know, he was if he was hired as a hitman, of course he's not going to get caught, especially if he was hired by a senator. You know, what are the odds of him getting caught? None. Slim to none. Also, another crazy thing is that a man named R.H. Thorpe, so he was a restaurant owner from shenandoah iowa he had identified blackie as the man he saw the morning after the Velisca murders boarding a train at clarinda so he 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 said that the man had walked from Velisca. how he knows that i have no idea but if this is true then that would disprove blackie's alibi um Another another report was that a woman named Vina Tompkins, she lived in Marshalltown. She was on her way to testify that she had heard three men plotting, three men in the woods plotting the murder of the Moore family, um, a short time before the killings. I I don't know how they thought that that was Blackie, but yeah, supposedly somebody heard that. So. Um, another suspect was Henry Lee Moore. So Henry Lee Moore, he was a a serial killer who was convicted of the murder of his mother and grandmother several months after the murders in Villisca and his weapon of choice was an axe. Um, so before and after the murders in Villisca, um, the similar axe murders on his mom and grandma were committed and all of the cases showed similarities, um, leading to a strong suspicion that some or all of the crimes were committed by an axe murdering serial killer and just like Blackie, um, Henry Moore was also considered to be a suspect, um, there there were so many suspects that they that they um interrogated and let go and so on and so forth so had these murders been committed in this day and age um i'm pretty sure that law enforcement would have been able to solve it but you know it's been a hundred years a hundred plus years and you know to this day it remains a mystery um i'm more than like, I'm more than positive that the killers are dead at this point, um, you know, and nobody's ever confessed, like, there hasn't been any type of, like, development in the case, you know, it's just, it's crazy, and that is the story of the Veliska Axe murder, Yeah. That's how that's how I'm going to phrase that. <laughs> I know I said I hate unsolved mysteries, but you know, this is spooky season, and this this one was weird. I don't even I wouldn't even consider it spooky. I would just consider it weird. <sighs> but yeah, that's it. Um I think tomorrow I'm going to do the Axe Man from New Orleans. That one's really interesting. Um it's tied to, I didn't even know that they kind of like said that that was tied to this one which is crazy and also they based um a character in american horror story off of the axe man i love american horror story so the fact that you know tying all that stuff together yeah i think we're gonna do that one so guys let me know your thoughts april da selena on the gram um april selena 2 on twitter i made a twitter i have no followers but i have two followers but yeah do that (laughs) don't forget to like share comment subscribe it really helps me um i'll talk to you guys later (laughs) i have no words for this story i have no words so i'll see you guys later bye